From KYW News Radio 1039 FM, this is Bridging Philly, connecting our communities on the issues that matter to you. Presented by Gift of Life Donor Program. Organ donors save lives. Hello, I'm Raquel Williams. Welcome to Bridging Philly. Our panel discussion this week features a group that works tirelessly to help quell the gun violence in Philadelphia. I have a chat with members of Philly Truce. My son-in-law was one of the casualties of this epidemic that's occurring every day in the street. I had some empathy towards others that experienced this type of loss before it came so close to my family. Charity Howard's newsmaker this week is a champion for literacy. Low literacy affects all of us. The information is out there, but can you access it? Can you interpret it? Antoinette Lee's Philly Rising Changemaker is an eight-year-old who's been DJing since the tender age of three. My dad saw a spark in me that made him realize I had a um, talent for DJing. On my third Christmas, I got an actual DJ set. That's all ahead on Bridging Philly. This is Bridging Philly from KYW News Radio 1039 FM. We're here today with Philly Truce. It's a violence prevention group working tirelessly to stave off the gun violence in Philadelphia. Joining me today is Mizzy Kasher and Stephen Pickens. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank, Thank you for having us, Raquel. All right. I appreciate you coming by. Now, you know, I know the group is known for the anti-violence app, and that went live last year. Um, and, of course, we're going to talk about that. But let's talk about the nonprofit, Philly Truce, itself. How did it begin? Steve and I uh, are childhood friends. We go back to uh, ninth grade. And uh, we hadn't seen each other in a while. And at the end of 2020, we, we bumped into each other. And I just started having a conversation about what what was going on then, which is still going on. Um you know, climbing toward uh, 500 homicides. And, um, you know, we kind of looked at the situation. I I distinctly remember in 1990, it was 500 homicides. Uh, We were in 10th grade. And I think just where we were at that time, just feeling some kind of responsibility um, and, and wanting to do something. And so we slowly began having conversations about what that might be. And over the next few weeks, um, truce came up, the word truce, uh, then Philly truce, and mm-hmm. then what is that going to be? And really just a natural progression of conversations led us to the actions we took. If you wanted to give your own personal accounts, have you had any any instances or any experiences yourself with gun violence in, in Philadelphia? The most close-to-home-hitting scenarios. Um, we lost Steve's son-in-law uh, less than a month ago. Oh, my God. To, to gun violence. I'm sorry. Um, you know, five-month-old grandson and, and the whole nine. Um, we lost uh, the little brother of, of one of the, the clients we serve um, in an ongoing mediation. Um uh, you know, shot 27 times, 41 bullets uh, fired. Um, you know, I'm sure if I go back and jog my memory, there's others, but this is just in the past 40, 45 days. So it really is, um, it's not sparing anyone in terms of 
you know, degrees of separation. I think at this point we all know someone um, who has lost someone or knows of someone who has lost someone um, to to homicide by shooting. So, yeah. You know, when we hear of these different stories of shootings, and, you know, we report on it on the news all the time, and I think people forget that there are people that are left behind. There are families that are suffering. There are communities that are left in pain. Absolutely. And the most rewarding part of the Philly Truce, which is Philly Truce is a family. So what's so rewarding for me at this point, um, as Mazee mentioned, my son-in-law was, you know, senselessly, again, one of the uh, casualties of this epidemic that's occurring every day in the street. Um, It was somewhat uh, comforting for me to know that I had some empathy, empathy towards others that experienced this type of loss before it came so close to my family. So that's why we have this, you know, this earnest plea for you know, citizens, everyone needs to um, ha- has to get involved. You can call Philly. You can call us at two six seven four five eight truce two six seven four five eight seven eight two three or go to phillytruce dot com. We have something for that everyone can do to get to participate and really get involved as far as to um, participate in curbing you know the violence that's going on from the safety and comfort of your home. Mm-hmm. Just, it's just a matter of you don't have to walk with us or you don't have to become a volunteer on the app. It's just a matter of even lending your skills or your experience or something that you're, you know, you do for a career, you know. So yeah. it's, it's, it's numerous ways to get involved in order to, you know, implement some type of and take some part and responsibility of what's going on. If, you know, we have a lawyer, um, um, Larry Hambrick, we called him yesterday for just a small matter that we were, um, we needed a, lo- a lawyer to look over a document. Just that type of support for us goes a long way because we don't know everything and no one does. So we are all collectively knowledgeable and stronger together. I think it's good that uh, you bring up the volunteer aspect and people getting involved because when you're in a community where things are, you know, like this are happening, there is this sense and feeling of hopelessness. What can I do? What can we do? We feel like we don't have any control of the situation, but getting involved, uh, whether it's marching, whether it's just lending your expertise or what have you to an organization like Philly Truce is another way of of being part of the solution, uh, I'm assuming. Tell me about the work, the boots on the ground work that you guys do in the communities and what you're hearing from people in the communities with regards to the gun violence situation. There, there's a few basic services that we uh, offer. One is is mediation. That's essentially what the app uh, would lead to in, in um, a perfect scenario. Mm-hmm. So I know of a situation or I'm involved in a situation. I am pretty sure that it's heading that way. Um, I want to stave that off, that way meaning uh, gun violence. And you get in touch, and if you give us enough information and enough cooperation um, and enough time, uh, we will do our best to intervene. Um, and those, you know, those help requests have taken us, you know, anywhere from 
beefs with a, a block captain mm-hmm. um, all the way to, you know, going into state road and to prisons and interviewing people and just seeing what we could do to, number one, buy time, but and most importantly, bring the disputants to a table, um, to a resolution. I, I hear the same hopelessness and discouragement um, that I think many people feel. Mm-hmm. But I would just like to re- remind everyone, or if, if you never had this experience, that taking action dispels fear. You know what I'm saying? When, when I'm engaged in it, I mean, I hear the news, but it doesn't land on me exactly the same way every day because I know we are active in combating it and we're active in planning things that can address it um, on wider and more wholesale levels. Um, so, you know, that, that that's the primary work is the trying to mediate. And, and even before that, uh, encouraging the community to be preemptive, to be preventive, and to take the responsibility that um, we know we're not going to entrust the police to this, just as a general rule, um, the, the relationship between our community and the police. Mm-hmm. So a lot of what we do is educational, inspirational, you know, shifting the culture to look, if we're not going to trust them, we got to trust one another. Um, and trust is one thing that you brought up as far as the police are concerned. But in order for you to do conflict resolution with people, they have to trust you, too. I mean, to come to you and tell you that they know what they know and here's the situation and can you help us there? The people in the community have to know who you are and, and what you what you're about and what you represent. So there's a trust factor there, too. Of course. Yes, it definitely is. Let's talk about the app because the the conflict resolution uh, portion of what you guys do, I'm assuming, just kind of rolled right into the app and kind of makes it a little easier. The app rolled out last year. Mm-hmm, How's right. it been going? Right now we have 185 volunteers on the app. On the user side, the last time I looked, we were a little bit above 200. So you got a certain percentage of people who – once they understand, you know, we can't just jump up and come out there. We need to know what we're getting into. So you get a little attrition there. Um, then you might get a little more attrition when um, you you let people know, well, you can't just throw me an address or, a, like, I need to know what's your relationship to these people. What Can you point us to somebody who they will listen to because mm-hmm. of the trust factor? Because we'll go to that person and say, hey, Will you come with us and do X, Y, and Z? 10 to 15% of these things go into a mediation process. Okay. Right? And then probably another 10% of those we actually able to get a resolution. Because uh, we very much in a, a beta test stage, you know, the way we see it. We, we figuring out what's going to be the right combination of messaging and targeted uh, audience to really make this thing take off. It is a learning process for us. You know, we were blessed with an idea that people seem to think is a great idea, but it's not all magical and and la la la. You know, we're out here grinding and, and, and we committed to making it really 
click, you know? Got it, yeah. got it. Definitely. And I just wanted to add to that. That's why the most essential and important piece to the Philly truce for this is Philadelphia's app. So we need Philadelphians to participate with this app, not just in terms of so many times you hear organizations, you know, we, of course we need financial support, which, you know, you can also, you know, we, we welcome that, but what we need really from the communities and from um, religious organizations, from professional services, we need time. The time is what we are really after in terms of, you know, it doesn't take much. We just, um, everyone has schedules. Everyone has responsibilities. Right. We we all do. But at the same time, this is not going to get solved unless we're actually willing to vol- give something. Mm-hmm. So at this point, you know, uh, with the app, as um, you know, the app is always going to be the central piece, the central figure that everything is built around because it's, it's, a, it's actually a, a great tool to use. But it needs all the other supports around it. We need app development. You right. know, we need, right. you know, things that um, that causes the app to actually function in a way that people will get it on a very basic level that this is what we can do in order to get ahead of the problem as far as. You know, whatever is going on, we yeah. don't know for multiple reasons that we could, you know, we can we can cut into this and we can believe that. So we just want we urge everyone just get behind us. So if you don't want to get behind us, get behind somebody, because there's plenty of organizations. There's a lot of people out here that are doing good things and groups. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the latest good thing that Philly Truce has been involved in. The latest venture is the Zero Homicides Now, yes. the music. <laughs> Turning to music to kind of stave yeah. off the gun violence. Tell me about that. It's um it's necessary for young black men to have alternative messaging and alternative imagery that doesn't always show us talking about and or depicting violence. Mm-hmm. You know, intercultural violence or intracultural violence. So the album uh, Zero Homicides Now just kind of gradually developed uh, from where we began. And we we really committed to the mindset shift. You know what I'm saying? M- more, more than anything. Because like Steve was just saying, all that help and all that support, that's really going to come on the heels of uh, a mindset shift where people don't feel comfortable. They're not okay with... Um, just being over here and hoping it don't come over here. Well, Philly Truce is more than, you know, a, a nonprofit. It's more than uh, an app. It, it's more than, you know, a musical venture. It, it's a movement. So in our final moments here, what is on the horizon for Philly Truce? What are some of the things you guys have planned? We're, we, we're blessed to stay ahead of the curve. It isn't us. It's our, our God, our creator, that allows that works through us. We are looking to engage with the individual individuals in the city that have um, become known as some of the actors or ones that may become victims of the gun violence. So that's that's what mm. we have on the horizons in terms of um, you know we have community days and we have um, uh, times of healing and things like that, but. And my mindset is being part of the Philly Truce is we we have to get past always healing. We have to get past, we we have to get to a point of we're we're winning. Tell everyone how we can get in touch with you to volunteer. 
follow us on Instagram. We have the website, phillytruce.com. We have uh, zerohomicidesnow.com, which explains what Peace Patrol is. You know, download the Philly Truce app. Absolutely. And, of course, you can reach Philly Truce at 267-45-TRUCE. Yep, 4587823. All right. Mazie Kasher, Stephen Pickens of Philly Truce, thank you so much for joining us on Bridging Philly. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Harnessing the power of literacy through free, high-quality education. Charity Howard talks with Beyond Literacy, our newsmaker of the week. In recent studies done by the National Center of Education, an estimated 22% of Philadelphia's adults ages 16 and older are lacking basic literacy skills, the highest in Pennsylvania. Something Beyond Literacy, a local organization, is working to change by improving lives through literacy. So I sat down with Don Hanna, a chief programming officer, and Kimmel Proctor, CEO, to learn just how the organization is making real change. Welcome, ladies, to Bridging Philly. Thank you for having us. Thank you, Shara. So let's get started. Beyond Literacy, the organization has done so much in the communities. What's the mission? Our mission is literally to change lives through literacy. We serve uh, adults ages 18 and up. We uh, teach them to read, to do math, get them their GEDs. We provide English language proficiency to immigrants. Nowadays, of course, being literate means knowing how to use a computer. So we provide digital literacy as well. You've gotten every aspect of what you think literacy should mean. Including, I think, Kim, well, I'm not sure if you said it. I missed it if you did. But including family literacy, which is a really important part of what we do. These days, we've just been funded by the Pennsylvania Department of Education, in addition to the funding we already had through the William Penn Foundation uh, to provide family literacy services, which includes education for the adult and parenting education, interactive literacy activities, and early childhood education. So it's just as you said, holistic. The whole family. The whole family. And the whole community. You guys have found a way to really kind of fill the gaps. So let's talk about what those gaps are in literacy in Philadelphia, and maybe if you have any, any statistics. Well, nationally, uh, the low literacy rate, meaning uh, reading and comprehending at approximately a fifth grade level or below, is around 13%. Here in Philly, it's 22%, which equates to over 800,000 adults who lack basic proficiency in English and numeracy. So if mom and dad don't know how to read, then of course now what follows? Well, the greatest predictor of a child's academic success is actually the reading level of that child's primary caregiver. And that's a greater predictor than household income or the neighborhood you're raised in. What's the trickle-down or generational effect? Well, the, the intergenerational effect is, is evident. Um, you know, our, our school systems are... are poorly ranked, and you can see that the the parents are lacking the skills to be able to effectively help their children with homework. They often lack sustainable family, sustaining wage jobs. It's an issue that I think you get a lot of attention around early childhood literacy, which is a critical part of the solution, but equally so is the adult education piece. It's an issue that you need to attack from both ends of the spectrum. Well, just like uh, the rest of the education world, when the pandemic hit, we needed to shift all of our in-person services online. Um, and so uh, to do that, we had to invest heavily in technology. So we so uh, we have uh, video conferencing systems in, in every single classroom. So what else is missing in Philadelphia that needs to be addressed? 
I also see folks graduating from schools without all the skills needed. So it's not just folks who stop studying for various reasons, folks do, but those who continue through 11th, even 12th grade and graduating who then come to us years later with gaps in their knowledge base and in their skill set that we have to help them work toward recovering, remediating. And give us some examples, please. So in our family literacy program, for example, we work with uh, a number of, of ELLs. Some have been here for decades even, started studying and stopped to, to work. And what's an ELL, if you Oh, could. I'm sorry, an English language learner. Navigating the school's websites if they have children in primary school. Being able to fill out forms and access information and resources that are online, not having the digital skills to do so. This is something that our ELLs experience. But on the ABE side, the adult basic education side, where English language native speakers live, they face the same challenges, even though they've studied in the schools. Um, They may have graduated years before there were computers in every classroom. Well, most of them have, actually, because they're like 40 years old or so, right? So the digital skills weren't part of what they did in school. And now they're parents of children in school that they can't support because they never got those when they were in school and they've left school and now they're developing them. And now this is what we're looking at. We're looking at literacy rates being extremely low. And that, of course, has a domino effect. So let's talk about what this looks like down the road. So we're looking at election season. We're looking at all of these things coming about, but literacy and critical thinking need to be addressed or at a minimum. You know, every social problem has roots in literacy. So whether it's it's health, poverty, civic engagement, individuals need to know how to read, how to do basic math, how to use a computer in order to be engaged, in order to lower their their health care costs, in order to help their children with their homework, in, in order to gain family-sustaining wage employment and, and lift mm-hmm. themselves up out of poverty. And in this season, right, in order to be an informed and engaged voter, hopefully, um, to be able to weed through all of the social media and all of the misinformation and be able to process and critically think through the information that you're given and make choices that are informed to understand all that information that comes from a comfort level with literacy. The information is out there, but can you access it? Can you interpret it? And can you make choices based on it? So what's next? What does Philadelphia need to do to really address this problem? Well, I appreciate you raising awareness of the problem. I think that low literacy in Philadelphia is really a silent crisis. Uh, you know, we're all aware of the gun violence and crime rates in Philly, um, but there's a clear link between crime and crime prevention and raising literacy rates. So if people want to get involved, I think it's important for them to be aware that adult education solutions exist. Uh, they can help support by volunteering with us. We, you know, we, we help folks from all across the, the learning spectrum, uh, some with undiagnosed learning needs. And so in order to meet them where they are. We intentionally keep our classes very small and love to provide individual one-on-one support whenever possible. And so we rely on our engaged tutors and instructional aides. Um, They're all volunteer. We provide the training. um, So we'd encourage folks to get in touch. So if someone did want to help or be helped, what do they do? How do they get in contact with you? Mm-hmm. They can call us. Our main number is 215-474-1235. Uh, they can go on our website, www.beyondliteracy.org, and click the Start Your Journey link. They can also go into uh, PA Career Links uh, throughout Philadelphia. We like to think that uh, we're called Beyond Literacy because we're taking folks beyond the basics from learning to earning. 
Right. I think Kim will talk about a lot of things, but also if I could add one more, it would be the partnerships that we have with training providers and employers, because we are um, an education organization. That's where we have our longest part of our history is in providing those education services. But it's not something that education can do alone. We need partnerships with those employers and with those training partners. Um, We do have case managers who provide assistance connecting our learners to resources to help minimize the barriers that might get in the way. We need those training partners and those um, other social services organizations connecting with us and and, um, helping us help the learners. This is a whole village idea to raise a child. It's the same thing. It takes more than just a school to educate a city and to make sure that all of us are thriving. I love it. And you're the bridge. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. I feel like we are the bridge. We, we, we are definitely at least one of the bricks that is holding it together. Maybe. I don't know. I'm not good with that. You did a great job. That was fantastic. So one message. What would you like that last message to be to Philadelphia? What do you want them to take away from this? Uh, Well, low literacy affects all of us. By equipping adults with the skills and the knowledge that they need to earn a living wage job, uh, then they can sustain their families, they can contribute to our city's workforce, and start to close that opportunity gap. And we know that Philadelphia is one of the most stricken cities when it comes to poverty. And this is one of the main ways in which we could resolve that. We can solve that issue. So let's start there. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Shara. It's been a pleasure. The Philly Rising Changemaker is sponsored by Penn Medicine Heart and Vascular Center, performing the most advanced heart procedures in the region. Hey, what up? It's Antoinette Lee here with the Philly Rising Changemaker. It was a big week for democracy as voters made their way to the polls for the midterm elections. I went out to West Philly to talk to voters there and I stopped at a polling location where I was attracted to a DJ's music. Now, what I was surprised to find was that those big voting energy vibes were coming from an eight-year-old eating chips. (laughs) Here's his story. Gideon Ansah, who goes by the stage name Star Jr., has been DJing for most of his life since the age of three. My dad saw a spark in me that made him realize I had a um, talent for DJing. On my third Christmas, I got an actual DJ set. Though he's not old enough to vote yet, he fulfilled his civic duty this past election day in a different way, by using his love for music, particularly Afrobeats. It was fun, hard, and cold. He braved the cold for several hours, bringing beats to the ballot box at a West Philly polling location. I think it's a great thing, you know, especially with them being so young to encourage young people to get out and vote. DJ Neek Nice is his mentor and founder of the International Kids DJ program. A good friend of mine, he needed, I think, like 50 DJs. And I opened it up to my students if anybody wanted to work since they were out of school. You know, it's paying 200 bucks. They have their own equipment. They can go out and work. You know, the music is a good feel and it just brings energy to the voting sites. Um, So just for us as DJs to set that atmosphere and then draw attention, I think that um, it was a great thing that they incorporated that in their budget to um, have DJs play at different stations. And I'm very happy that you know, young people like uh, Star Jr. and Maj were able to partake in those type of um, 
opportunities um, so that they see the importance of why we should be voting in elections and everything. It was a paid gig for DJ Starr, but he says it was about way more than the money. Because election day is important because we need a good leader. If we don't have a good leader, we're basically doomed as a society. He gets it. The program has trained dozens of young students, giving them a hobby that can support a side hustle. We have a DJ club that we meet at Tustin Recreation, and we formulate young young DJs, just teaching them the craft, also expanding their business. Um, you know, I recommend them to go to seminars and like conferences with us in Atlantic City. So um, we do have a beginners course that's starting next Tuesday. We do a monthly session with our beginners due to um, our volunteers. It's very hard to get DJs to come together with equipment, but um, we open it up to the public. It's very affordable. It's $60 for three sessions. And this is just a way for parents just to get their feet wet into DJing, teaching them the fundamental skills. And eventually, if they wish to um, pursue it and purchase equipment, then they wind up turning into a student like Star Junior who can join the club that meets a little bit more frequent. So we meet in West Philly at Tustin Recreation Center on Tuesdays. If you're interested in learning more about the Kid DJ program, they have an Instagram page where you can learn more information. It's called Kids DJ Cafe. That's kids with a Z DJ Cafe on Instagram. Thanks so much for listening. If you know a Philly Rising Changemaker we should highlight next, let us know. Call the station or find me on Twitter at ARLeonAir. That's A-R-L-E-E on air. We'll talk next week. Thanks for joining us on Bridging Philly, brought to you by Gift of Life Donor Program. Organ donors save lives. Be sure to connect with us on Twitter at Bridging Philly and with me at Raquel on air. And of course, subscribe to the podcast. For Antoinette Lee, Sharaday Howard, and our podcast producer, Tom Rickert, I'm Raquel Williams. Be well. <laughs>